Well, greetings, everybody. Well, it's good to see all of you today. We want to welcome you to Grace Church at Franklin Services on this Mother's Day. We welcome all of you who are tuning in through YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video. And we want to thank the Lord for all you mothers out there and pray that this will be a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. With that, Brother Joshua Waltz is going to come and lead us in some praising to the Lord through hymns and choruses. Brother Josh. Good morning, everybody. If we could all stand. Jesus is all the world to me. Number 470 in your hymnal, and it's on the board. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. My strength from day to day without him I would fall. When I am sad to him I go, no other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend and trial sore, I go to him for blessings and he gives them more and more. He sends the sunshine and the rain, he sends the harvest golden grain, and rain, harvest of grain, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following him by day and night. is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now and I'll trust him when life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy. can be seated and we're going to have some announcements. Good morning. I want to welcome you all to our worship services today. On behalf of the elders and deacons, we want to extend a happy Mother's Day to each mother who is with us today and all those who are watching by the internet. Shirley Murphy is suffering from spring allergies and a torn rotator cuff. I ask that you be in prayer for her. Pat Jackson recently had a basal cell carcinoma removed from her scalp. Uh, she will see her orthopedist on the 17th and perhaps set a date for her left shoulder surgery. Evelyn Carico's knees are doing better since they were injected a few weeks ago. And continue to ask you to continue to pray for our sister Judy LePetri and our brother, her husband Calvin, um, and all that they have to deal with. I want to continue to remember also Carl Perry's 
uh, head who is almost healed from his recent cancer removal. Also, we ask that you lift up his wife, Ruby Perry. Uh, she said her follow-up visit for her heart results is scheduled for June. Uh, Dorothy Vondren, who used to worship with us, is scheduled to have uh, some cardi cardiac studies for possible blockages uh, of her coronary artery. So I ask that you be pure and lift her up before the Lord. Continue to pray for Ken Humphrey's father-in-law, who is back in the hospital after being diagnosed with a MRSA staph infection in his bloodstream. Also, we want to let everyone know about our uh, Sunday school and uh, for children now and as well as for the adults. Uh, the children ages 13 and under will meet together at 10 a.m. and the adults meet in the fellowship hall beginning at 10 a.m. also. Uh, please make plans to join us uh, as we host the Providence Theological Institute's New Covenant Theology John Bunyan Conference. The conference will run from Sunday evening, June 20th through Wednesday evening, June 23rd. The conference messages will survey Paul's epistle to the Galatians with a conference theme of breaking free and staying free. As a reminder, if you would like to support our ministry, uh, the Grace Church, there's an offering box back in the foyer, in the, uh, or in the front of the foyer and on the table. Just place your offering in the box there. Uh, is there any other prayer requests that we need to make mention of? Anyone else? No? All right. We'll continue with a few more songs. Well, good morning again to everybody and to anyone that may have just joined us over the Internet. We want to say welcome to you. We're thankful that you're here to worship with us this morning. Happy Mother's Day once again to all those mothers out there. And we're going to do number 447, the Lily of the Valley. 447 in your hymnal. It's up on the board. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. And he tells me every care on him to bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs have taken and all my sorrows mourn. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. All the world forsake me, and Satan tempts me sore. Through Jesus I safely reach my goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, ever leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do His blessed will A wall of fire about me I've nothing now to fear With His manna He my hungry soul shall fill Then sweeping up in glory I'll see His blessed face Where rivers of delight shall ever roll He's the lily of the valley, the bright and 
star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Grief said, "That's all right. We can keep singing." I, I'm sorry, Mister. I confused you. Let's sing that part. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. There we go. <laughs> oh, that, that's okay. Um, let's let's do. I'd rather have Jesus. And guys upstairs, she's saying she can't hear in this microphone, so maybe I don't know that monitor might be out again. I'd rather have Jesus. If you can all stand up with us, we can sing. I think y'all all know this song, right? It's not in our hymnal, it's just a chorus. I would rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather
I would rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. You want to sing that chorus again? Sing that chorus. And to be the king of a vast domain or be We've got a couple more minutes here, so let's do Come Thou Fount. We've got a special speaker that we're going to be blessed with today, so we're going to try and be done right at 11. Come Thou Fount. Maybe we can sing a couple of verses. Is that number 17? Come Thou Fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I'm come And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood oh to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wonder Lord I feel to leave the God I love Here's my heart Oh, take and seal it Seal it for thy courts above Amen. Let the Lord's people say amen. 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 Brother Bill, would you like him to keep standing or sit him down? <laughs> we can go up and down, up and down. You guys can be seated if you'd like. Thank you, Joshua. Well, we have folks that are coming back, and uh, I heard them mention Carl and Ruby Perry, and Lynn and I had a good conversation with them yesterday by telephone, and uh, they said that they intend to be back with us either, I think they either said next Sunday or the Sunday after. So we have have people who are coming back and feel uh, they've been through a lot, as you know, Carl and Ruby have, but they're doing just fine, sounded chipper, sounded up. 
Let me add my voice to the voices of those who've already spoken and wished all of you a happy Mother's Day, as well as those who are watching by the internet, on YouTube, at Ustream, and a sermon audio video. In view of the fact that this is Mother's Day, we have invited a special speaker today uh, who is going to speak to us. Uh, he represents the Tennessee uh, right to life. I'll let him tell you all about it. And he's going to speak to you, and then I'm going to have a few things to say to you uh, when he has completed uh, his remarks. Now, his name is Barry Phillips, Barry Phillips, and I understand he was born in Humboldt, Tennessee, and that's over not too far from Jackson, but he is moving. He's in the process of moving here uh, to, to our area uh, because of his work here. So I want you to give, give Barry a warm welcome and give him a good hearing, okay? Pastor Bill, thank you. I, I did not ask you where you are from, but you pronounce my name like it's pronounced in West Tennessee, Barry. <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure where you're from, but anyway, you, you speak like my people speak, so I was glad to hear that rather than Barry, B-E-R-Y. You said it correctly. My name is Barry Phillips, and I am with uh, Tennessee Right to Life. And I'm brand new. I've just been with the organization about six weeks now. And to give you a little bit about my background, um, I've been involved with the pro-life movement for a long time. Was reared in church, in, um, actually in a rural church out from Humboldt. Came from a farm family, and um, it was just part of my DNA, I guess, to know that as a believer that you had to be pro-life. So on into adulthood, um, I have served and still serve on the board for Birth Choice, which is a crisis pregnancy center based in Jackson, Tennessee. Been there, been on board since 1995. Serves as a number of counties around the Jackson, Tennessee area. And um, y'all, some of you, I'm sure you were involved back in 2014. I'm gonna mention this more just in a moment. Um, we changed the Tennessee State Constitution to no longer guarantee the right to an abortion in our state. And I was the Western Sea volunteer coordinator for that, that statewide referendum. When Brian Harris retired last December, even prior to his retirement, um, he knew I was coming upon retirement. And he said, would you come and take my job? I need to do something different, would you do it? So uh, last year I retired from the Pig Sweet Company, Pig Sweet Frozen Foods. I don't know if anybody's ever bought Pig Sweet, the red bag. A great Christian family-owned company based in Bells, Tennessee. Been around for 76 years, four generations. Love that company. But anyway, I retired from them, so, so buy Pig Sweet. And um, knowing there was something else that God had for me to do, and um, in this season of my life, for whatever time he has me, it is to work in the pro-life movement and uh, to represent Tennessee right to life. But really, um, 
and a, a deeper level is to represent God's plan for life. Um, I have three grown sons, seven grandchildren. As I was coming through, I, I, I came from home this morning. I stopped off in Jackson. My little six-month-old granddaughter is being dedicated at their church in Jackson. So I, I just pulled in there before they left and, and prayed, over here, prayed over her um, as um, her mom and dad are dedicating her to, uh, to God's work. But what I want to tell you about a little bit, I want to talk to you a little bit about Tennessee Right to Life, who we are, what we do, a little bit about the legislation, but then I really want to finish up about uh, where is God on this? Even though Tennessee Right to Life is not a, um, it's not a church or Christian organization, it's, it's a not-for-profit, but everything that our organization does, it supports the principles that God lays out to us in Scripture. And so there are a couple of scriptures we'll talk about just to get an understanding about where we stand and what our responsibility would be. But just to give you a quick little history, if we go back to 1973, you all will remember that in that year there was a Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, that changed the landscape in our country. There were certain states that had already legalized abortion in their states. Tennessee had not. With that landmark decision, every state in the union had to start providing abortion. And I think the number now is, over these many years, about 60 million babies have been uh, taken from their, womb, their the mother's womb. And so, um, to be honest with you, we have to be frank, the church was asleep. We just, we just weren't paying attention. And we slept through that. But we're not asleep anymore. We're awake. And we have a better understanding about what that implication was and what it what is done and the displeasure it's brought God and how it's been a, a wound on our, our nation. Now, let's go forward. Well, and I'll say this. After 1973, Tennessee, as well as a lot of states, began to pass laws that would manage and provide safety not only for the unborn child, but also for that mother. And laws like inspecting an abortion facility, uh, informed consent so that the mom would know what she was facing, uh, in consent from minors, if a 15 or 6 year old went to have an abortion, then they had to have parental consent. Well, in 2000, there were some pro-life groups, one of which was Planned Parenthood, that said, we think the Tennessee State Constitution guarantees the right to an abortion. So all of these these protective laws that we had put in place, like the ones I mentioned, a 48-hour waiting period so that the mom could really think through this, this life-changing decision, wiped off the books. Well, what happened? The state of Tennessee became a magnet for all the states surrounding us for women, not, not just Tennesseans, but also women around these other states. They were crossing state lines and coming to the um, abortion facilities in Memphis and Nashville and Knoxville. So if you live just across state line Alabama, I mean, it, it wasn't bad just to drive up to, to get to Nashville to have something done. 
So, um, in 2014, as I mentioned earlier, under the leadership of Tennessee Right to Life, and I was not employed at that time, I just worked as a volunteer in West Tennessee, Tennessee Right to Life led the charge and we amended our state constitution to say, we're not outlawing abortion, but it is no longer a guarantee. So when that constitution was changed with that amendment, then it allowed our conservative state legislators to go back in and start putting in some common sense laws that were passed, like um, parental consent, informed consent about what was going on. Our legislature passed a law that said that a 48-hour waiting period is good common sense so that once a woman goes to a facility, she gets the information, she's got 48 hours before that procedure is done. Now, a little side note, uh, the Sixth Circuit came back and said, three judges said, eh, we don't think that's legal. So they struck it down. Our state attorney general's office said, we think you're wrong and we want it to go to the full Sixth Circuit, which is maybe nine judges instead of just that little three panel. The, um, the Sixth Circuit has said, we will look at that whole law, but in the meantime, you abortion clinics out there, that law is back in effect. You cannot perform an abortion unless there's a 48 hour waiting period. That saves lives because the girls, the women have time to think through the decision before they make it. So good for our attorney general and his office. They stepped at the plate to do the right thing. A couple of other things that have happened that are, are very positive in Tennessee. In 2019, our state legislature passed, our governor signed a law which is called the Human Life Protection Act. It's a, basically a trigger act. And what that means is in the event, and, and we know it's coming, Roe v. Wade is turned around, then immediately the legalization of abortion in Tennessee it ends. So there's a trigger with Roe v. Wade. That's right. Good for our legislators and good for our governor that support that. So we will become, and when that's over, we're going to come back and we're going to be a, um, a, a, a life state again. This year, to give you the most current things that are going on, just uh, a few days ago, the legislature passed. Um, Representative Tim Rudd from Murfreesboro sponsored this, and the governor signed it. The, the bill is called the Fetal Remains Act. And this bill was significant in that it said no longer will the remains of a child that is taken during abortion be disposed of like medical waste. That child must be given a respectable uh, um, funeral, either cremation or burial, similar to what happens with pets. You know, if you have your pet put down, you go to the vet, they ask you all these questions. That, that's a state law. So anyway, the governor signed that law. So um, the, um, uh, an abortion clinic can't just, you know, send that child out. 
just like they would medical waste. And there's another law that passed the General Assembly, and it's on the governor's desk. We anticipate him to, to sign this, and this law is called the Prenatal Life and Liberty Act. There's two parts to it. The first, well, a little history is this. Tennessee had a, uh, it's been on the books for a long time, that if a mother was carrying a child, if she was killed, murdered, whatever, you know, shot, vehicular homicide, then that, that child, the, the, the perpetrator could be charged in a criminal act for killing the mother and also the baby. But could not, there was no civil act unless the child were to the age of viability. So if it were, if she were, say, six weeks or eight weeks into the pregnancy, they could be charged with a criminal act against her and the child, but not civilly, only criminal for, for the baby. So what this law does, it equalizes that. If that six-week-old baby that has not been born yet is killed by someone, it's not only a criminal offense, it's also a civil offense. And then there's a second piece to it, which is great for our pro-life physicians, that if a child is born and there is some type of um, a condition that is um, um, a mental or a physical deformity, then the physician is held harmless against the family if they say, well, if, if they had just told us, that if the doctor had told me, if we just knew about it, we would have chosen abortion. So it protects that physician so that he or she cannot be sued because of, of something that the parents said, well, we, you know, we wish we'd known that. And so we're going we're gonna to blame this doctor for it. It's, it gives legal protection for that physician. Anyway, that's on the governor's desk. We anticipate him to sign that. So that, those are two good pieces of legislation that uh, Tennessee Right to Life has been involved with. And our conservative pro-life legis legislature has been sponsoring. Okay, now let's talk about why do we even, why are we talking about this in church? The reason we talk about it in church is basically, in my opinion, two things I want to bring up to you. I want to read to you from uh, Mark 10, verse 13. And this is what God says about protecting children. He says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like these little children will never enter it. He took the children in his arms. He's placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. God welcomed, Jesus welcomed those little children to him. He touched them. He blessed them. And he spoke a message to the adults, come humbly, welcome them, I love them, and I'm not afraid to touch them. And the second scripture, which is very convicting to me, and this is uh, Revelation 2.20, and this is what Jesus said 
to the church at Thyatira. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating the food sacrificed to idols. Jezebel was a priestess to Baal. Now, listen to somebody on a podcast the other day, and they, they call that uh, false god, that demonic god, Baal. So I'm not sure which way. Pastor Bill, he, 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 he'll, he can tell us which is the, the correct, correct pronunciation. The Western Sea pronunciation is Baal. <laughs> but um, she was a prophetess to this demonic God, and part of their um, ritual and worship was child sacrifice. That God fed off the blood of children, and she introduced that into Israel. She married Ahab, who was the king that was brought into Israel, and then y'all know the rest of the story about what Elijah did to him. But this is, this is what concerns me, is that going back to what we said earlier, we've been asleep, and we have allowed child sacrifice We've allowed child, child sacrifice within this nation. Now, I don't think we can say, well, you know, I didn't do it personally. You know, it, it's not within my family. It's not whatever. No. We as the church have done that. God has called us to be kinsmen redeemers. And if you go back and look at the book of Ruth, where Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, where he stepped up and he took care of Ruth, he took care of Naomi. And that's a, that's a principle and concept of leadership that God expects us to have. Like Moses was a kinsman redeemer leader because he rescued his people from slavery. Joshua, a kinsman redeemer leader. Boaz, Jesus, the ultimate kinsman redeemer leader. There's a responsibility that we have to step up and do things. What can we do? I believe that we come to the house of God. We do not need to walk out these doors unless we have decided to do something differently and to make a difference in his kingdom. So what we could do? That's a question I ask each of you today. What can you do? I'll tell you one thing that you could consider in Williamson County would you be interested, could you start a Tennessee Right to Life chapter in Williamson County and then be the voice, be feet, be hands for protecting the unborn in this county? Other things you could do, too, we'll talk about more later. And, and Pastor, if it's okay, I'd like to close my section with prayer and just, just pray over this. Is that okay? Okay, let's pray. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Um, first of all, we want to praise you and bless you for uh, the gift of life. Father, I praise you and bless you for the channel of life that you have used 
with the mothers you have placed, specifically the mothers that are in this room. You've used them as the channel for life. You have blessed them. And now we pray, oh God, you continue to bless them. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're praying that you move across all of us here. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to honor you with life? Call upon us, raise us up to be the kinsman redeemer leaders regarding life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. It's very informative, and I'm sure you can get some more information about that from Barry if you need to. I want to get you to stand together. We're going to sing an old hymn, 496, in your hymnal. It's called Victory in Jesus. That's where our victory is, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look alive. And Come on. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning, then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me there, I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me. Somehow Jesus came and brought to, to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his Redemption story. 
summer's sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory Oh, victory Let me hear you sing, come on Jesus, my Savior Forever He sought me and bought me with his I want you to notice, put that last line back up there for me, Mark. I know what you're going to say. Look what that says. It says, he loved me. Air is an old English word, means before. He loved me before I knew him. Well, he, the prophet Jeremiah says he knew us when we were in the womb. He knew every part. He knew all of the, what, 236 bones, whatever they are in there. He knew all about it, all the ligaments, all the joints, all everything. Amen. He loved me ere I knew him. Mm-hmm. So while I'm getting ready to preach, I want you all to sing that again. Would you do okay. that for me? Yeah, let's all right. sing it all, all together. Right. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I was just thinking about the same thing when he when I saw that about Barry. Thank you for being here and reminding us not to be asleep, but to pay attention to what because he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. That's awesome to me. I just you just it just blows me away. But remember your mamas today, all of you. I know you've all got one. Either here or in heaven, I wear pink on Mother's Day because my mother's still alive and she's in heaven. I refuse to wear a white rose like they do in the South <laughs> because she's still, and your mother is too if she knew the Lord when she passed. And uh, I always say this, it is always good and humbling just to be remembered. Just to be, just remember somebody. It's very humbling to be remembered. Remember your mama. I don't care what she's done to you, remember her, right? Okay, yes. All right, let's sing our little song to ask the Lord to help us while we open the Word of God. Ready? Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No. You, you may be seated. I want to thank Brother Barry for that important and critical information regarding the Tennessee pro-life organization and movement. And let me add my voice once again to the voice of the others 
who have spoken before me and wish all of you moms a happy Mother's Day. We love and appreciate you more than we can say. Without you, none of us would be here. And we thank you for carrying out your God-given jobs in rearing your children, having them and rearing them. And we believe, I believe, that each person that is here today, as well as those who are watching uh, by the internet, that every human being is a miracle. And that miracle begins at conception. So I have about four points I want to make to you today, and the first one is in a question, how does that miracle happen? So to begin with today, I want to share some related information about the miracle involved in the formation of a human being. And this miracle comes from those who know about these things, the scientists and the physicians. The life of a baby begins long before he or she is born. Every person begins as a separate single cell, and nothing new is added but oxygen and nutrition. And if that process is not interrupted, a human being will live about nine months, give or take, in the mother's uterus and decades out of it. That person that comes forth has never existed before and will never exist again. And here is a little bit of how the story goes for each of us walking, talking miracles. Just bear with me because I'm going to basically read this for you. At the moment of fertilization, life begins. The sperm joins the ovum, that's the egg, to form one cell. And this one cell contains the complex genetic blueprint for every detail of human development. The child's sex, their height, their skin tone, their eye color, their hair color, their shoe size, their intelligence, etc., all is determined at the point of fertilization by the baby's genetic code in the 46 human chromosomes. Well, that fertilized egg travels down the fallopian tube into the uterus, where the lining has been prepared for implantation. Within two or three hours, that cell divides into two new cells. And during the first three days, it splits into 32 cells. And by the fifth day, it will divide into 90 cells. And within one week of fertilization, a new human being is implanted in the mother's uterus, and it begins to be nourished there. The little egg and the tiny sperm are now an embryo. And the embryo has three layers of tissues which develop separately. The outer layer grows into the baby's skins and nerves. The middle layer grows into the cartilage, the bones, the connective tissues, the muscles, the circulatory system, the kidneys, and the sex organs. The inner layer grows into the organs of breathing and digestion. At 22 days, 
the baby's heart begins to beat. During the third week, the spinal cord develops. By the end of the first month, the kidneys, the liver, the digestive tract, all are beginning to form. The baby is about one half inch long and weighs one third of an ounce. Let's look at the second, the second month. That's the first month. At 33 days, the baby's fingers and feet began to develop. At six weeks, the baby has brain waves that can be measured with an encephalogram. Uh, And the end of human life, of course, often, I've seen this on television, the end of human life is uh, defined as the cessation of brain waves, but sadly, many ignore that scientific evidence of brain waves in unborn babies. Milk teeth form at six and a half weeks. The baby's blood type is often different from the mother's type, I'm told. At seven weeks, the unborn baby swims freely in the amniotic sac with a a swimmer, this writer said, with a natural swimmer stroke. By eight weeks, all of the baby's body systems are present. At nine weeks, fingerprints are evident, the fingerprints that will never change, by which you can be identified for the entirety of your existence here on earth. The baby, now a fetus, is about one and one-fourth inches long from head to buttocks and still weighs less than an ounce. Now the third month. During the third month, the baby sleeps, awakens, and exercises its muscles energetically, turns its head, curls its toes, opens and closes its mouth. The baby has developed the body parts required to experience pain, including all of the nerves, the spinal cord, and the thalamus, that's the small structure within the brain located just above the brain stem. It has extensive nerve connections to both. Its primary function is to relay motor and sensory signals to the cerebral cortex. That's what the thalamus does. The palm of the baby, when stroked, will make a tight fist. The baby breathes amniotic fluid to help develop the respiratory system. And from this age on, there's only growth in size and maturation, maturing of the organs already present. All the organ systems are functioning. The baby has a skeletal structure. It has nerves. It has circulation. By the end of the third month, the baby is about four inches long and weighs just a fraction over one ounce. Fourth month. By the fourth month, the baby is nourished by the placenta, is developing reflexes such as sucking and swallowing. The bag of water cushions the baby from bumps and keeps it at a constant warm temperature, enables it to exercise its limbs and move freely, and provides liquid for it to practice swallowing. The water inside the bubble of membranes is always fresh, as it replenishes itself completely every six hours. Imagine that. Now, that that just evolved, you know. Good gracious alive. No wonder the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
The baby's heart pumps the equivalent of 25 quarts of blood a day. This is in the fourth month. During the 16th week, the baby can grip. The baby is now about 6 to 7 inches long and weighs about 5 ounces. Fifth month. During the fifth month, the baby has a real growth spurt. The internal organs are maturing. The baby begins to sleep and wake at regular intervals. Half of the pregnancy period has now passed, and many babies begin to grow hair during the fifth month. Many babies born at this stage of development, 19 to 20 weeks, who for some reason have had to come outside of the womb, have survived. At the end of the month, the baby is about 8 to 12 inches long and weighs from one half to one pound. Sixth month. In the sixth month, the baby continues to grow rapidly. The organ systems are still developing. The baby's skin is red and very wrinkled with no underlying fat. The finger and toe prints are visible. Baby's eyes are open. Baby can see the light that filters through its mother's abdominal wall. At the end of this month, the baby has completed two-thirds of its stay in the womb. The baby is about 11 to 14 inches long and weighs now about one to one and a half pounds. Seventh month. The seventh month marks uh, another period of rapid growth for the baby. Calcium is being stored. Fetal bones are hardening. Baby exercise by kicking and stretching. It sucks its thumb. It hiccups and may cry. And all four senses are now used. The eyelids are open and closed. The eyes look around. The baby can taste. The baby can touch. The baby recognizes the mother's voice. Fat begins to be deposited, and the baby starts to really gain weight. Baby is about 15 inches long and weighs around 3 pounds. The eighth month, the skin begins to thicken with a layer of fat stored underneath for insulation and nourishment. The, ba the baby absorbs a gallon of amniotic fluid per day. The fluid is completely replaced every three hours. By the end of this month, the baby is about 18 inches long and weighs around five to five and a half pounds, so it's almost doubled its weight. Then in the ninth month, in the ninth month, the baby's quarters become so cramped that it can only turn from side to side, and most babies settle into a head-down position. About a week before the baby is born, growth is stopped and changes in the mother's hormonal balance, aids in the onset of labor and birth. At 40 weeks, the baby will be full-term, and measure 19 to 21 inches in length and weigh anywhere from 6 to 9 pounds. My wife's sister had a baby when she's 40-something years old, and she weighed about 12 pounds. Well, what has happened in these nine months? What's happened in these nine months? Well, here's what's happened. Since fertilization, one cell has become 200 million cells, and these 200 million cells weigh 6 billion times more than the original fertilized egg. Now you think of the miracle that you are. You are, as it says in Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made. I was going to speak to you from that psalm if I had a little more time, maybe 
in the next couple of weeks I can do that. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully designed by your Creator. And you know why you are fearfully, wonderfully made and designed by your Creator? To know Him, to serve Him, and to enjoy Him forever. That's why you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now that's the first thing I wanted to say. Here's the second thing. Mothers and motherhood are under attack. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have declared abortion to be, quote, essential health care. Abortion is essential health care. You can be sentenced to jail for killing an animal but actually encouraged to murder a human being. America has embarked upon a culture of death rather than a culture of life. We have gone from a conviction of the sacredness of life to the conviction that abortion is only essential health care. Some of you may remember that the writers of the Declaration of Independence said... We hold these truths to be self-evident, just obviously evident, clear, that all men are created. All men are created. They are created equal. And that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, not unalienable, inalienable rights. And that among these are Life. Among these are life. Then he says liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But the first inalienable right, uh, right that they recognize is life. If you don't have life, you can't pursue liberty, and you certainly can't pursue happiness. And life, they said, is an inalienable right. You know what inalienable means? It means a right that cannot be taken away from or given away by the possessor. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness follows life. And everyone that is conceived has an inalienable right to life. The most defenseless and therefore the most endangered person in the United States, a nation which is supposed to be under God, is the person in the womb of a mother. The womb has become perhaps the most dangerous place on earth. We are told every day how many people are dying from the coronavirus. And as of Friday or Saturday when I checked, they said about 3.26 million people have died worldwide from the coronavirus. But as of January the 22nd, 2021, the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, over 62 million abortions have occurred in the United States alone. And now if things continue as they are, we will be forced to supply tax dollars to fund the abortion industry for the next 62 million. So I urge all of you to pray, I urge you to investigate, and I urge you to educate yourselves and to work for the inalienable right of life for every human being. And here's the third thing I want to say. 
a little advice for mothers. Number one, mothers, work and pray toward the goal of making your children independent. Independent. Mothers are primary, the primary means of their children learning to be independent. In other words, a mother is not a person to permanently lean on, but to make leaning unnecessary. If you want to be a wise mother, raise your children to stand and to survive and to thrive independently of you. Teach them to rely on their Creator and not the government or even upon you all of their lives. One day, mother, you must leave your children. But there is one who will never leave them or forsake them. Teach them of their Creator, their God, and their Savior. The second thing I would say is work and pray toward the goal of teaching your children respect. Something is lacking in American society today. Today, respect for you, respect for their father, respect for others. A mother should exemplify, that is, she should illustrate by example respect. A mother that does not demand respect will not get respect. Respect begins with how the mother conducts herself with what she demands from her children. The next I would say, children should know that the Lord gives great honor to mothers. That means the Lord thinks a lot about mothers, you boys and girls. And this means that respect for your mother is vitally joined to divine blessings and to divine curses. The Lord has promised in His Word to bless those who bless their mothers and to not bless those who do not. Listen to this. Proverbs 15, 20, A foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 19, 26, He that chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and brings reproach. Proverbs 20 and verse 20, Whoso curses his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Proverbs 23, 22, Do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 29, 15, The rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. And who has not heard, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth. A child left to himself or herself is a child whose mother does not demand respect. And mothers, a child cannot raise himself or herself any more than the universe can create itself. And here's the third thing I'd say. Mothers are the primary means of teaching children love. The child is formed in the mother. It is a vital extension of her own body. The child eats what the mother eats. It's affected by the mother's emotional and physical and mental and, yes, even spiritual state. If a mother is an addict, there's a strong possibility that the child will be born an addict. If the mother is healthy, it's likely the child will be also. People say, ah, oh, you don't know about that. Let me ask you a question. When they have all these champion stallions, these, uh, these horses that win a lot of races, why do people pay thousands of dollars to breed those stallions? Because they think that a healthy, powerful stallion is going to produce healthy, powerful kids. And it's the same way with human beings. It's the same way. Mothers, do what you can 
to educate your children about proper eating, eating right things. Don't just give them what they want. Give them what they need, not just what they want. Add to this that the mother is usually the first one in the family to hold the child, to nurture the child, to comfort and feed the child. And you can see that mothers are the primary means of teaching the children about love. All that a young man knows about loving his wife, most of it, I say all of it, most of it he learned from his mother. And all that a young woman knows about loving her husband, she learned from her mother. The man may be the head of the home, but the mother is the heart of the home. The mother's love is the closest thing. A mother's love is the closest thing on earth to unconditional love. The only love I think that's higher than that is the love of the Lord. And most mothers would agree with this statement. I do not love him or I do not love her because he or she is good, but because he or she is my little child. I don't love them because they're good. I just love them because they're my child. So the three greatest gifts given to human beings is life and love and understanding. And it's desirable, I know in most mothers, that their children be kind and appreciative and pleasant. If that's true, then those qualities must be taught and not merely hoped for. Now let me encourage you, and I will be through today. And this is a different kind of message for those of you who are visiting with us today. This is a little different than what I would usually teach from. We've been studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I intend to return to that, uh, God willing, next week. Let me give you mothers a little encouragement. And these are quotes from other people that I think are, have biblical principles. You know, I think any real wisdom, any real wisdom, if it comes from a heathen, you can find the principle of it in Scripture. There's never been a point in this country where everybody in this nation was a, was a Christian, was a child of God. But this nation has nevertheless, up until recently, operated upon the principles found in Scripture upon the biblical principle. So let me give you a little encouragement. Number one, this is what C.S. Lewis said, and I think it's good. He said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's pretty good. No one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start from now by the grace of God and make a brand new ending. Brother Sass, I thought you believed in the sovereignty of God. Oh, I do. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe He can sovereignly change you so that you will to do something and, and make a change. We need to develop a little Winnie the Pooh. I understand Winnie has been banned now from the reading of books. We need, to, we need to develop a little Winnie the Pooh attitude toward life. Here's where it goes. What day, what day is it Ask Pooh. It's, it's today, squeaked Piglet. Oh, that's my favorite day, said Pooh. <laughs> Your favorite day is today. Live today to its fullest. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might, and do it as unto the Lord. He made you. Do it for him. Today is my favorite day, said Pooh. The second piece of encouragement I would give you is this. 
If you want to see change, then be the change you wish to see. Be the change you wish to see. You know who said that? Mahatma Gandhi. I'm going to quote him. He said, if you want things to change, then be the change you wish to see in the world. I think there's some wisdom in that. We should all know that the first step toward changing anything is the decision not to stay where we are and as we are. So mothers, if you want to see some change, you be the change you want to see. The very decision to change is change. And we should know that if we stay where we are doing the same thing and expect change, we're being utterly foolish. Make up your mind to begin today to be the change you wish to see in the world. And then I want to say this. Mother, if you are still trying, if you're still in the battle, if you're still fighting, you are a successful mother. Sharon Jane said this, successful mothers are not the ones that never struggled. They are the ones that never give up despite the struggles. You can have influence, mother, as long as you are alive. If your children are away or if they're gone or if they've passed from this world, you can have influence on other children, maybe your grandchildren. But you can have influence as long as you are alive. And if you are still trying and still fighting, despite all of the problems, you are a successful mother. Remember the old saying that earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. The Lord will give you the strength. He'll give you the help. He'll give you the grace to do what He's called you to do. Every problem that we have, we don't look at it this way, but every problem we have is a gift because without problems we wouldn't grow. And so I say to you, Happy Mother's Day. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. And finally, I want you to turn to Psalm 139. I just mentioned it earlier. Psalm 139. Just want to read a couple of verses here. And I think I might teach on this in a couple of weeks. Psalm 139, David says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. This known me is known all about me. You know my downsitting. You know my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You surround my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, There's not a word in my mouth and not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, You know it all together. You have enclosed me or beset me behind and before. You, are go, you go ahead of me and behind me. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go? Verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. In other words, the light and the darkness are both the same to our God. 
The darkness does not hide me from you. The night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Now watch this, verse 13. You have possessed my reins, my inner parts. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fastened, when as yet there was none of them. You knew all about me before I was ever formed. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they're more than number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. You see, these first 18 verses speak to us, really the rest of them too, and I'll explain that to you in a couple of weeks. These verses speak to us about the preciousness of the human soul that God created. And I want to thank all you mothers. I want to thank you. If, you, if you've made some mistakes uh, in your life, if you've made some mistakes, you know, the God we serve is the God who forgives. Did you know that? Uh, he forgave Moses. Moses was a murderer. He forgave David. David was a, Moses, a, a, a murderer and an adulterer. He forgave Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a murderer. He forgave Mary, out of whom seven devils were cast. He is a forgiving God, but His grace and His forgiveness and His mercy is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only in Him. Come to Him. Run to Him. Call upon Him. Ask Him for Christ's sake to forgive you of your sins and to cover you, and to put His Spirit within you, and to create within you a new heart, and enable you to walk with Him in His ways. All of us should do that, but especially is that my prayer for you mothers. Let's stand together. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave us mothers. Mothers are your creation your means of propagating the human race. Truly, it has been said, the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world. We know that your hand is the hand that controls the world and rocks the world. But we know that your hand could be upon the hand of the mother to use her to do thy will. Moses had a mother, Lord, and we're so glad that she did not abort him. We're so glad that she did not give up on him or trust him to the government of Egypt, but she hid him and said, Lord, if he's going to die, you're going to have to take his life. And now we read about Moses, and we have the first five books of the Bible that were written by him as inspired by your Holy Spirit. And we're so glad that Mary, the mother of our Savior, was willing to be the handmaiden of the Lord. When she heard the startling news that she was going to give birth to a child, though she had not known a man, she said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me, even 
as thou wilt. Oh, Father, we pray today for mothers. They have a tough time. They have a hard road to hoe. But we know that your strength is sufficient. You've told us in your word, when you're weak, that I'm strong. And when I use weak vessels, I receive the greater glory. We pray today for the mothers, and we ask you to help them, O Lord. We ask you to strengthen them. We ask you to commit themselves and their children unto you. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this place to come together and worship. Pray for all of our people that you will keep us safe, looking unto you, and realizing that life is a precious gift given to us from thy hand. Help us to treasure it and to do all we can to preserve it. We ask in the name of him who is our life, even our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, for whose sake we ask these things. Amen. All right, uh, Brother Turner, would you take Brother Barry Phillips back there, and when you people leave today, you can tell him your name and introduce yourself to him, and uh, let him know you'll be praying for him as he works with uh, the Tennessee uh, Right to Life, Pro-Life uh, people here in the state of Tennessee. Let's sing our little song, Under the Blood of Jesus, all right? Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the Dismissed. May the Lord bless you.